Brinson here with the Pick 6 Podcast. You can feel the excitement in the air. You can feel it coming in the air. Uh, that was the theme music for the Cleveland Browns preseason game. There's a great video out there of uh, Baker Mayfield doing some air drums to that legendary Phil Collins song. Boom, 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 boom. You tell how excited I am. It's the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Football feels a little back. I'm not going to lie. Pretty excited about it. Uh, I am going to tell a lie at, at some later point in this podcast because we recorded the breakout defenses later or breakout defenses earlier in the day, and I acted like John Breach and Ryan Wilson were just randomly joining me. I was under the impression that Sean Wagner, McGuff, Magoo, was going to be recapping the preseason games with me, but he's so buried deep inside his work right now, recapping the evening of preseason stuff, that I dragged John Breach from whatever illicit activity he was doing and dragged Ryan Wilson out of bed, and they're joining me for both parts of this podcast. So just ignore that part. It's one of the tra- uh, time-space continuum things uh, going on with the Pick 6 podcast. Ryan, how's you doing your soccer game tonight? You're muted. God dang it, Ryan. Damn it. Uh, we lost. <laughs> I, I, but I was, what I was going to say while you were doing the intro, I'm, I'm over the soccer game. Um, we need John Ralphio to do like a, a theme song for us. Like, football is bad. Like, like when he's like, it was the worst. That wouldn't even be very good. But John Ralphio, John Ralphio of Parks and Rec. We've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec lately and we can't dilly dally on non-football topics because we got to get to football. Lord, no. But John Ralphio is one of the all-time great uh, like tertiary characters, he's you know he's he's not even really secondary. You know, uh, uh, I guess uh, 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 Aziz, Aziz Ansari's character would be secondary. Uh, and Tom Haverford, yeah, Tom Haverford, and uh, but then like John Ralphio's sister is a pretty good character too. What's her yeah, name? Yeah, Ralphio's useless except for his ability to sing useless songs, <laughs> and that would he would work perfectly here. John, can you sing? Because I feel like you could do the theme song. I would love to sing for you guys, but. It costs money to hear me sing. This is a free podcast. Can't do it here. Everyone fly to Nashville. I'm at Tootsie's like once a month. Check out John's uh, pay to hear podcast. John's like uh, John's like John's like Duke Silver. He's Duke Silver. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, all right. So we got a lot of football action, including. Oh my God! Did you hear that, Ryan? That's Daniel Jones music. Corner of the end zone completes it. Did Fowler get his feet in? Yes, touchdown Giants. Ball placement. Make a note of it, folks. This kid is putting the ball where only his receiver can get it. Outside throws, those are tough ones. And every offensive lineman after that touchdown throw just gave Daniel Jones a big hug. Oh, oh, the hype is real for Daniel Jones. Uh, alright, let's, let, let's get down to brass tacks here. You know who else gave Daniel, who gave himself a hug after that? Eli Manning, a sad Dave hug. In the, in, the, in the press box. Dave, Dave Gettleman did something more than that. I mean, I can't even – I was on CBS Sports HQ, our – I was hoping you would dive in on it, right? I don't – yeah, that's your bit. I don't even know it. Our 24-7 streaming sports network live on uh, Amazon Roku Fire. It's free. Don't cost nothing. Um, real sports Brinson, news. Brinson, wait. Let me ask you real quick. Yeah. How many Dave Gettleman tweets have you deleted since uh, Daniel Jones' <laughs> debut tonight? Hey, hey. I've been getting bombarded with tweets. People are like, Brinson picked and bet on the Giants to win the division. He's a genius. Daniel Jones led one preseason drive, five for five. Uh, he ain't going to play, though. Exactly. No, he'll play. If, they, if he plays, they're winning that division. The uh, The Giants 
won that game against the Jets. The uh, Sno- the week one Snoopy Bowl, thirty one to twenty two. Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, one on one for three yards. <laughs> Congratulations, Eli. Uh, Daniel Jones, five of five for sixty seven yards. Kyle Loletta, nine of twelve, one hundred sixteen yards and a touchdown. And Alex Tanny. 14 of 19 for 190 yards and one touchdown. I would posit, gentlemen, that if we're going to get worked up about Daniel Jones, shouldn't we be worked up about Kyle Laletta, the former, like, lax bro uh, Patriots prospect? My point is that it is it is week one of the preseason. Christian Hackenberg looked good in the preseason. Wait, did he? Uh, in week one, yeah. Wow, he should he should play that on, old, on his old, old Takes Exposed tweeted out. But it is hard not to watch what the way the, just the confidence that Daniel Jones had going out there and how comfortable he looked. He whipped the, the ball came out fast out of his arm. He didn't look like the Duke prospect that we, that we sort of knew, right, Ryan? I like Daniel. This is what I said. I like him, but I don't love him at number six. If he went number 17 where they yeah. took Dexter Lawrence, no one would be saying anything. Loletta was a fourth round pick, zero expectations. Terrible driver, apparently. He got in trouble for, for running red lights or whatever it was last last year um, when there was an opportunity yes, for him to actually play some football. But I think Daniel Jones, had he gone where most people thought he was going to go, they wouldn't have cared. And look, he got booed at Yankee Stadium in June, no fault of his own. To his credit, he didn't bellyache about it. He just went to practice. He had some ups. He had some downs. He played extremely well on this, uh, on that first possession. Then they had the, uh, the second possession. Then they had the rain delay. And then when he came, when they came back, he, he was on the bench. It's a fantastic start. And, and I think if he continues to play at a relatively high level, I'm benching Eli Manning. I, it's not happening. I feel like Daniel Jones could go 50 for 50 with 12 touchdowns and no interceptions and he would not be the week one starter. <laughs> you might be right. And that's absurd because look, you watch him. You ha- he had this game. He only played one series. But you look on Twitter, and Giants fans were so ecstatic. If you took a Twitter poll of Giants fans and asked them who would start, they would literally pick Daniel Jones right now. They were ready to dump Eli Manning after two passes that Daniel Jones threw, which tells you the entire state of this franchise, that your entire fan base watches two passes from the rookie quarterback, and they're all ready to bench Eli Manning. And, and like you said, Brenton, if he keeps this up, uh, there's no reason you don't think about starting him. But like Wilson said, he might throw 41 touchdown passes in the next three weeks, and he will not start in week one, barring a miracle. Uh, I have a little bit of a rant on Giants fans, but first, some breaking news from Pete Prisco uh, out in Arizona. It's so cold in the Cardinals press box that I feel like Carbon uh, from Goodfellas. Um, these are the tweets that Pete Prisco sends out, and yet – there are uh, 103,000 human beings or bots, porn bots probably, who follow him. Uh, more importantly, though, on the Daniel Jones thing, here's what bothers me. Grinds my gears, if you will. Uh, I will. These, Thank you, Breach. These Giants fans have been out here in my mentions, in your mentions, in everyone's mentions, in their little blue jerseys, talking about rings, bragging about Eli, saying Eli's the guy, Eli's the man, he deserves it, he's, you know, we have to honor his legacy, he's won two Super Bowls for us, and then the second that Daniel Jones, they booed him at Yankee Stadium, as Ryan pointed out, they booed the pick, they freaked out, they melted down, they acted like this franchise is being run by a bimbo and big giant waiters, and 
and, and, and then the second that this guy completes two passes and throws one touchdown pass against a crappy Jets defense, they lose their minds. They want Eli burned at the stake. They want to set the fans. They're like, Dave Gettleman's a genius. Look who he got for us at number six. These are fair weather clowns who act like they're the blue chip fans of America. They're the same people who root for the Yankees and I'm sick and tired of it, Giants fans. I feel like you you told three or four lies in in that uh, diatribe. (laughs) Giants fans, were any of them pulling for Eli Manning at any point after last season? I feel like they were ready to move on, and Dave Gettleman was really the only person. I feel like if you gave Pat Shermer uh, truth serum or laughing gas, he would be like, look, man, Eli's terrible. I didn't want him back. It's not my call. You you look at my face at that press conference after we took Daniel Jones 6 overall. It was clear that I had given up a long time ago. But that said, I think Giants fans were excited. The same Giants fans that were booing at Yankee Stadium and booing the pick were excited by what they saw. But that's mostly because of Eli Manning being terrible. Sure. <laughs> the thing I love about Daniel Jones is he totally shook it all off. He didn't care that they were booing him at the draft. He didn't care they were booing him at Yankee Stadium. He was totally walking around with that swagger that said, just wait till I get on the field. I'm going to win this job in like five seconds. I don't give a crap if anybody's booing me. I don't care if Brinson goes on a rant about Giants fans. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to just win everyone over. And he did that in five throws. We were literally five throws into the Giants' Daniel Jones' career, and he already won everyone over. So let me ask you this. Can you hear my idiot dog? Can you hear my idiot dog? Because I'm going to throw this. There he is. I hear him. Yeah, he he hates Daniel Jones. It's not football season until this moron dog is barking on my podcast. It's really not. Uh, um, a good musician never blames his instrument. Hey, by the way, Sam Darnold, four or five, sixty-eight yards for a touchdown. <laughs> Didn't yeah. see anybody yanking their pants off to, to thank Sam Darnold for his incredible work Ad, out there. Adam Gase did, and then he ran out of the hospital room and left his wife hanging. Oh my God. Okay. All right, so we didn't talk about that Adam Gasing. Uh, Ryan, I'm not sure if you caught this. I did like a, like, people out there like examining like the, the throwing motion of Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. I had, I did a deep dive on the all 22 of, uh, Adam Gase, uh, sniffing the, uh, the huffing the, uh, the smelling salts. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Did yeah. you see that? That man, I mean, find you somebody who loves you like Adam Gase loves pregame smelling salts. He, he's like, eyes, eyes up in the air. But yeah, I mean, look, Daniel, you can't not be excited for Daniel Jones if you're a Giants fan. I get it. But it would be wise to temper expectations. Well, let me wait before we move on. If he clearly outplays Eli Manning over the next three weeks, no, under no circumstances, none. That's you speaking, or is that Dave Gettleman speaking? That's me putting on my big boy pants and talking like Dave Gettleman. Yeah, but we just talked about. The, I have a uh, weird, I have a weird obsession with Dave Gettleman's pants. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> We've been talking about the. Uh, They're so high and wide. The Cowboys' first three games. One of those games is with the Giants. I think the Giants have a much better chance of winning that game if the Cowboys are down to the two or three players we've been talking about and also have Daniel Jones starting. No? I guess it depends. I mean, so wait, uh, I mean, just looking at the Giants schedule, the Cowboys defense, it, I mean, if they're, it depends on who they got. If they're missing a lot of players, it could be tough. I mean, a pretty good, oh man, God, it's a tough at Cowboys, Bills at home, which is not a, not a terrible matchup, but the Bills have a pretty good defense. At Buccaneers, that's a great place to start him. But then you have Redskins at home, Vikings at home, and at Patriots. That's not an ideal three-game stretch to have Daniel Jones. I, I don't know. If Eli can keep you alive for the early season, I think you go with him. But if it, it, look, if, if at any point you get two games below 500, pull the ripcord and go to the rookie. Why not? you got nothing to lose. I think you do it in chunks. 
you look at the first three weeks they play at Dallas, they play Buffalo, at Tampa Bay. I say, Eli, you are starting the first three weeks of the season. If you don't make it out with a winning record, we're putting in Daniel Jones, and that's it. If you do get out with a winning record, we'll reassess things at the midway point of the season. And, uh, you know, if you're making a bunch of manning faces and do-doing in your pants, then we're putting Daniel in to end the season. You know, I just put these hard deadlines on him because you've got to play Daniel Jones at some point. And so uh, just let Eli know that it is possible he might get pulled this year. Mm. All right, moving along from the uh, Giants. I don't – I don't think anybody else, did anybody stand out for that game? Uh, you can tell, look, we, look, hey man, we're getting our preseason reps here too, right? Cause remember our Sunday night show goes through every game, uh, and Ryan Wilson has been freed from Sunday night takeaways, which means we are firing this podcast out early. We'll go through every game. We'll break it down. Um, I don't see a lot. Oh, Jameson Crowder had a touchdown catch in like a, a very short one, I think, in the a three yard touchdown catch in the red zone. He's healthy. He's out there week one. That was Sam Darnold's pass. Worth noting for fantasy purposes, I think that's maybe a guy to target. Uh, Saquon Barkley, no run at all for the, uh, for the terrible Giants. Game for <laughs> yeah, terrible game. Uh, Benny Fowler caught that touchdown pass from Daniel Jones, as you heard on that, that audio. Oh, 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 one more thing. Um, yes, John, and I will go to you in one second, but I do want to point out that, uh, uh, Carl Banks on the, on the, on the, on the lead up to Daniel Jones are like, anybody who knows anything about football knew this was a great pick. And anyone who doesn't know anything about football didn't like the pick. And then Ryan, he said something about a, uh, eraser. Yeah, that the doubters who hated Daniel Jones has an eraser. It's called a tweet deleter, Carl. Erase those feel, yeah, it's a tweet deleter if you're Will Brinson. But he said that before Daniel Jones threw his first pass of his NFL yeah. career, which I thought was hysterical. Yeah. So maybe he sees into the future. He was right, it turns out. So we'll see if it continues. So it's a Homer, Homerific, uh, uh, that's okay. Broadcast. Yes, for sure. I was just going to say that this game featured, uh, my early nomination for worst preseason performance of the year to Davis Webb, who went two of seven for 11 yards Ooh. and threw two interceptions. Not he a- completed as many passes. To his team as he did to the other team. Not an ideal revenge game against your, against the team that drafted you. Not ideal. Uh, uh, the preseason week one Nathan Peterman award winner is. Ooh, that could be a, that's good. You just gave Breach an idea for a post. 0.0 quarterback rating for Davis Webb. Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, both 158.3. That's a perfect quarter. Darnold looked great, by the way. We're not talking about that. Le'Veon didn't play, but Darnold was sharp. I think Darnold's going to have a big year. Darnold should start over UI. Uh, moving <laughs> along to another rookie quarterback in the NFC's good line breach. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, who was your number one quarterback, right? That's true. Okay, I, I'm not, that was not a, a knock. Oh, just, yeah, yeah, he was number one. Uh, there is there was some good, and there was some bad with Dwayne Haskins. I don't think we have the audio, but I can tell you that he did throw a pick six. Like the podcast, we got to plug in on HQ, our CBS Sports HQ, our twenty four seven streaming source network. Uh. Mac Wilson picked it off and took it to the house. He had another interception where he basically, you could tell, you couldn't tell if it was like a miscommunication with the receiver, but he basically threw it into two, um, uh, two, two defenders. I thought Grant Paulson had a, of, uh, of 1067, the fan, friend of the program, has been on the show before, probably have him on soon again, had a great description of it. Um, basically said, Dwayne Haskins is crazy athletic. You can see the upside. But he's just not ready right now. Unfortunately, Ryan, uh, there's a pretty good chance the Redskins will feature him heavily this year. Yeah, we've talked about it. Uh, Jake Rudin, his job is on the line. 
The backup plan is Colt McCoy and Case Keenum. Trent Williams isn't going to play either because of concerns about the medical staff where he wants more money, depending on who you're talking to. No proven playmakers. Josh Doxson hasn't hasn't worked out. Jordan Reed's good when he's healthy, but when is he healthy? Um, Darius Geis is coming off the ACL. AP is 75 years old. That second interception, by the way, went to Greedy Williams, who for a long time was many people's top cornerback. He ended up going in the second round. Um, not Matt, clear why, presumably because of off-field concerns. But, but I mean, Mac Wilson also a rookie, so pretty good day for uh, two Browns rookies. rookies that's yeah. right. And that defense, man, is going to be stacked. And I, I think you talked about Baker jumping around on the touchdown throw. So that's a good start for the Browns. Uh, not a good start for the for Dwayne Haskins, and it's fine. And the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins personally, it's okay that he doesn't have a great game. The Redskins are a bigger concern. They they could be the worst team in that division, uh, and it may not be close. Oh uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's I don't think it's very close. Uh, Dwayne Haskins finished the night eight of fourteen for 117 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he showed some of the throws you need. Uh, Case Keenum four of nine, 60 yards, one touchdown. Baker Mayfield five of six, 77 yards, one touchdown. Also a perfect passer rating. Baker looked freaking awesome. Um, somebody named. Well, that can't be right. Uh, who is it? D. Johnson, uh, rushing for the Browns had five carries for 23 yards. Surely it wasn't Duke Johnson, right? Wasn't he traded? I, I just saw uh, your boy Dearness Johnson, man. Ah, there you go. And, uh, Hilliard had nine carries for 19 yards. Nick Chubb, one carry for 12 yards. Uh, the cover is blown on Nick Chubb. But while, while we're talking about the Browns real quickly, by the way, let's talk, I, I put Duke Johnson's trade in the, in the rundown for later, but let's just get it out of the way while we're on the Browns. Duke Johnson traded to the Texans. On Thursday afternoon, uh, the Texans sent a fourth-round conditional pick that could become a third-round pick for Duke Johnson, who had demanded a trade, is one of the top ten highest-paid running backs, and is really more like an airback who was just underused in Cleveland. I would give it a deal a B-plus for Cleveland for getting something in return, something good, and a, a D-plus for, for Houston for de- being desperate and being run by a coach who had ousted a GM and now is just like going rogue with these moves. For instance, I feel like you just gave him a D plus because you hate Bill O'Brien. I would go maybe I, a I, C. For, I like Bill O'Brien. I, I like him. I think he's um, I think he's a kind of a secretly funny guy and actually a good coach. And like he's he like he's really uh, you know, he has a a, um, a son like with uh, some physical disabilities. And he, I don't know if you saw like the clip that went viral with the Texans, but like he went out and he's like, hey, like you know, you remind me of my son of this other guy who had a physical disability who was a wheelchair. I think Bill O'Brien's a good guy, but. I think he has gone rogue and is a bad power. GM. Don't think he's a very good GM. He cut but here's the thing. It's like Deshaun back. Watson. Deshaun okay. Watson just got destroyed last year, and to have a back who can catch passes out of the backfield, you just check down to it's just somebody they didn't have. Yes, Lamar Miller can catch, but now you have like the preeminent pass catching back who's been one of the best in the NFL over the past four years. So, I mean, I like this trade because maybe you gave up a fourth round pick, maybe you gave up a third round pick. I don't. I just think a D plus is harsh, Brinson. Harsh. I'm with John. I think third round pick. People were yelling and screaming on Twitter about it. You get one of the ba- best pass catching running backs in the league. John pointed out Deshaun Watson was sacked 62 times last year. They drafted two offensive linemen in the first two rounds, so hopefully they can do something sooner rather than later. And Houston's, according to Football Outsiders, 21st last year in offense, 13th in passing, but 26th in the running. Lamar Miller isn't the answer. So yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. And I think a third round pick. If you look at the third round pick running, the guys that went in the third round this draft. Duke Johnson would have been the second-round pick. So I feel like, who cares? It's fine. Mm. He wants to play. He wants out of Cleveland. He got that. He potentially is going to a really good football team. 
that's worth a third round pick. Now, maybe Bill O'Brien got lucky when he did it, and you do need a general manager. I don't, I don't care if you're a great coach or not, but I, I, I'm okay with this. Okay. All right. Um, yes, John. I would, I would say, by the way, that I don't think that this, uh, performance by the Browns will, uh, uh, slow the hype train for Cleveland in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. But I want to go back to Haskins for just one second because Ryan was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, sixth overall pick, wouldn't be such a big deal if the Giants had taken him at 17th. And you can su- kind of see the difference here. Imagine if Dwayne Haskins or if Daniel Jones would have had Dwayne Haskins night tonight at sixth overall, thrown two interceptions. We would be crapping on Gettleman right now. But 100%. because Haskins had it as the 15th overall pick, we're saying, hey, this guy, there's room for improvement. He doesn't need to start week one. He doesn't need to be thrown in the fray. So it, you want to see him improve, whereas you're the number six pick. There is no room for error. I also think, like, if the Redskins, and I, I said this on HQ, our 24-7 streaming Source Network, I, if, if, uh, I've got to stop saying HQ. Um, if, uh, if Haskins had been pulled after his first series, we'd be like, ooh. Haskins really flashed in limited action. And if Daniel Jones plays three more series, are we sure he carves up the Jets? I mean, maybe Alex Tanny and Kyle Laletta did. So maybe the Jets just did. Maybe Greg Williams just fell asleep at the wheel and didn't feel like blitzing a bunch of young quarterbacks. And that, that's why you can't read too much into it. Um, and if anyone way, didn't see yeah. that game, Haskins was two or three for 59 yards after his first series. You know who who was in love with Dwayne Haskins had traded up to two or three to get Dwayne Haskins. It'd be the Daniel Jones conversation. That that is a hundred percent correct. You know who else was two or three on this lovely evening? Yours truly with his preseason bets. I put him on. Had put him out. I I took the Panthers plus three. I took. Did you really bet on? Like you bet money on that? Uh yeah, I had to do top picks for for the site. Wait, Marcy, how do you Uh, bet on preseason? Through a bookie. No, uh, I mean, like, how do you, how do you morally do it? Is it worse than betting on NWWM? But I mean, can you win money betting on preseason football games? I mean, it's the same. Tickets cast the same, bro. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know who's playing, right? But I well, I knew that the Bears wouldn't play anybody, and the Panthers would try to win. And the Panthers, okay, fair enough. Uh, the Panthers won by ten, and they were plus three. Uh, I also took the Dolphins minus four. They covered by seven. I, I wrote these on the site. Like these are, I wrote these on the site, and they were. Send as an alert. Today's top picks. Uh, and then I missed on, uh, I had, uh, Indy minus one over Buffalo. So that was a loser. But, uh, but to my point, Miami won 34-27. I think Miami might have been the most interesting team in the world this evening, which would have been a good time to have like a drop of the, the former Dosekis man. You look at these numbers. You get nothing from Ryan Fitzpatrick, two of five, 20 yards, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, but Josh Rosen, 13 to 20 for 191 yards and in one interception. I don't feel like that accurately conveys how impressed I was with Josh Rosen and how impressed I always am with Josh Rosen, who had no protection for the Miami, Miami offensive line, was constantly under pressure, was finding Preston Williams down the field for some really ridiculous throws. And I'm telling you, Josh Rosen is going to be good if they can put anything around him, including some offensive line protection. I absolutely agree with that. I had to write a thing on Dolphins' bold predictions earlier this week, and one of mine was that Josh Rosen would win more games than Kyler Murray this year. What? And it's not – thanks for making me sound crazy, Ryan. I heard that. I'm not deaf. But the thing is, like, there's going to be some a lot of growing pains. I mean, we've talked about Cliff Kingsbury and him trying to bring his rejected college offense to the NFL. And even if Kyler Murray is the best guy to run it, you know, who knows how that's going to turn out. But it just feels like 
Josh Rosen, there is potential there. And, and we saw a lot of it, uh, although I will say that he was running around a lot for his life tonight. So he went from one bad offensive line in Arizona to another not so great offensive line in Miami. But when he got time, he made some great passes. He threw that one really, really, really ugly interception. But other than that, he didn't really have any other passes where, you, you know, I, Sean loves to tweet out bad Josh Allen passes. There wasn't a lot of that with Josh Rosen tonight where you could tweet out and be like, oh, my God, this was a horrible throw. How is this guy ever going to be a quarterback? It was the interception, and then pretty much every other pass he threw in this game uh, was a pretty good throw. Exciting uh, pre uh, exciting preseason betting news, Ryan. Houston Texans looked like they were going to lose. Someone named Jay Ferguson punched in a one-yard touchdown run with 32 seconds left, uh, and they kicked the extra point to push. So that's not a loss. Big. You bet that, or that was in your picks? No, it's just bet it. Oh, okay. Um, by the way, by the way, uh, yeah, preseason's here, which means we need to point out that uh, it's time to drink beer. If you got good beer recommendations, please let me know. Uh, those who have sent beer, your pick six podcast shirts are going out shortly. Don't worry, Ryan will believe me. Um, I'm currently drinking. This you've is been a, running this beer scheme for five years. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm living like this is actually like a whole fake setup. It's not even a real podcast. I'm just running a beer scheme. Uh, no, I do have a bag of shirts ready to go out. I'm, I think I'm going to take them all down to Florida and mail them from CBS from the CBS offices. Um, but I'm drinking a burial beer, but it reminded me this could have been burial. You've been a burial. You love burial, Ryan. But, uh, this could have been the other name, alternate name for the podcast to forsake these demented ramblings. Yeah. I have a burial t-shirt actually. Yeah. Very cool. Hip stuff. And I'm also, uh, I'm preparing to, after I'm going to switch beers mid podcast and drink a zombie dust from a podcast listener. How about that? I would like to throw out on that note on Thursday. Last or earlier this week, it was the Hall of Fame game. I went to a brewery to watch it. I'm drinking beer and I text Brinson. I'm like, oh my God, I'm turning into Brinson. I'm drinking craft beer while watching preseason football. It was the lowest moment of my life. I don't blame you. Um, nothing happened for the Falcons in that game. I mentioned the uh, Carolina Panthers plus three, one of, one of my picks. Elijah Holyfield had his first career touchdown in the NFL, scored for the Panthers. Uh, David Montgomery, three carries, 16 yards, but had a touchdown. He looked good for the Bears. I, I've been kind of poo-pooing him a little bit in terms of fantasy value. Uh, well, okay. I just, I mean, like, he's been getting hyped up and I, they got Tariq Cohen and, um, and, uh, oh my God, Mike, uh, is it Mike James, Mike White? Mike, Davis. Mike Davis, thank you. Um, Mike you get Mike James Mike, and the, uh, Mike Smith. Zach Taylor. You can't get Mike James. So, so it's, it's one of those generic names. Um, Again, I am drinking. So, uh, but, uh, David Montgomery also had three catches on three targets for 30 yards. I thought he looked really good running behind that line. If he's, I would say if you're targeting him in the fourth or fifth round, that's a really nice pull. Maybe even fifth or sixth. Uh, he could, he's good. I, I like what I saw from him in this game. Will Greer, probably not challenging, um, Cam Newton for the starting job. Cam didn't play at all. No surprise there. Still coming back from shoulder surgery. Uh, Greer, 9-16 for 77 yards. One touchdown and one interception. Panthers sort of played possum here, but the Bears, outside of Montgomery, just getting him some reps, were totally checked out. I found this interesting from uh, Jordan Rodrigue, now with The Athletic. Friend of the program was on here with great, uh, great, uh, good friend of the show. I asked Ron Rivera about icing the kicker in the second quarter, and he very transparently admitted he did it to help the Bears. He knows they're trying to find a kicker. I I think that's fascinating because, A, 
the, A, the Bears, I mean, look, I, I get it. I love him helping him out. That's his old team. He scored his first touchdown on a defensive play for the 85 Bears, I believe. Uh, but B, that's a team you might be competing against in the NFC, Ron. Why are you helping them out? Why are you helping them find a kicker? Bury the Bears. Don't help out your old team. Bury them. Uh, can I tell the best part of this story that probably yes. wasn't in that quote? It was setting it up for you, John, obviously. Eddie Pinero missed the field goal. The Bears missed the kick after getting ice, so it just threw a wrench, another wrench in this Bears kicking competition. It was a 48-yarder. He missed it. I don't know who's going to be kicking. They don't need a kicker. Dump kickers. There's a decent chance the Bears kicking situation is so bad, and Robbie Gold's like nine, 99 of 100 next year, that the Bears missed the playoffs because of strictly field goals. Let me yeah. let me ask you this, and I'm only I'll, I'll make this a serious question. <laughs> if you're the Bears, I, well, I was going to just be ridiculous, and you understand the severity of the situation with the kicking situation, go, we can't find go, go for it on fourth down, and go for it, go for two. Would you trade a second round pick, and that may be too low, <laughs> maybe first rounder for Justin Tucker? Oh, oh wow! I, I thought you were going to say Robbie Gold, Justin Tucker. I ra- do it in a heartbeat. I w- yeah, second rounder, absolutely. The, first with, rounder, maybe. No way on a first rounder. You but can't. a second rounder, if you think you're a kicker away from winning it all and you have yeah. a chance to add the best player at his position in the NFL for a second round pick, you do it. I think but, do. But, you don't even think twice. But conversely, and I'm dead serious answer asking this question too. Would the Ravens accept or reject the second yeah. round offer? They reject a second round pick. Now, I'm glad Wilson brought this up because something I was going to bring up when we talked about the Ravens, but I don't need to because Ryan just said it. They have a backup kicker who is 10 times better than anyone on Chicago's roster. He's the guy that didn't play a lot last year because he got in that like street fight. He got beat up in a brawl, um, ended up in the hospital. What's but he had a solid, uh, Kari Vedvik. The amount of time that John Breach spends like on <laughs> kicker research is mind boggling. Well, so he had three field goals today in, in, in against the, uh, Jacksonville. So from 55, 45 and 26. Ooh. Okay. You have Eddie Pinero out there getting iced by the Panthers, and then missing his field goal when the Ravens have a backup kicker who's knocking from 55 to be good from 70. You're like, call up and out for a third-round pick for that guy. A third-round like, pick? Stop it, man. You're going to get killed. If they're going to lose They're going to lose three-and-a-half football games because they literally have no one kicking the football. We need to come up with a um, – uh... Like a bad news bears type of situation, like like a little song we can play throughout the season when we do the Sunday recaps and the Bears lose in a kicking situation, and we're like, it's like, hey Sean, hey Sean, we got some bad news, or like something like goofy and like really annoying that like it's like hokey that's not depressing, like angst ridden brand new music that'll drive Sean at the wall. Um, so yeah, the Bears Bears didn't show anything in this game. Let's get to Kyler Murray, man, oh man. Kyler Murray, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was a little skeptical. By the way, seven to seven at halftime, uh, thanks to Brett Hundley leading a touchdown drive, hit a human being named T. Sherfield for uh, uh, a touchdown pass. Kyler Murray six of seven for 44 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions in his debut. There was much ado made about it. He started in shotgun under the shadow of his own goal line because the Austin Eckler. Uh, which we'll get to in a second. Fumbled the ball. Uh, Cardinals recover. Jordan Hicks, by the way, caused the fumble. Yeah, the Cardinals defense, if they had Patrick Peterson back, could actually be interesting. Uh, fumbles the ball. The Cardinals recover. Kyler starts under the shadow of his own goal line and marches them. I mean, yeah, it was a pretty good little drive, right? It was uh, 10 plays, 43 yards. Lost there was a penalty at the end that wasn't his fault that sort of stymied things. Yep, lost 10 yards to a penalty, got three first downs, and eventually had to punt. But, I mean, overall – 
I, and, and look, they didn't, they busted out one trick, trickish play, which is an RPO type of, it was an R, it was an RPO, but then Kyler ran left and then threw a quick, uh, pass to Larry Fitzgerald. It's like, whoa. Lost a yard, I think. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you have enough of those little creative things and you got playmakers like Andy Isabella well, and Christian Kirk and David Johnson, I mean, you can do some stuff. Tim Tebow did that. He just would airmail into the third row. So <laughs> right, the, right. the difference is that we've seen it before. The difference is, and I think this is a huge difference, two things. At no point did Kyler Murray look, look like he was 5'10". He wasn't having to move around the pocket to find throwing lanes, and he was extremely accurate. So that's a huge development. But as the uh, Arizona announcers kept pointing out. Ron Josh, Wolfley. Yeah. <laughs> we need more puppies. His brother sounds exactly the same. He works for the Steelers Network. His um, name is Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Ron, uh, Ron, Josh Rosen didn't have a chance last year because there was no offensive line. So that's a huge help for Kyler. Well, it's not even the offensive line. It's like the scheme. I mean, like they would just sit Josh Rosen under center and make him drop six, like seven steps. He'd just get bla- like blasted by a defender. Whereas Kyler Murray was in shotgun. They spread guys out. He was able to sit there and make his reads. And again, the Chargers aren't playing their starters. We're not seeing anything outside of, of what you would expect. But both teams are vanilla. And I was surprised Kyler only got one series breach. Yeah, and the one thing I will say is I felt like, especially after watching Josh Rosen last year, that this one series that he played is was almost epitomized what we're going to see this entire year. We saw the Cardinals' offensive line not be able to block at all, but then we saw Kyler Murray escape, which is something that Rosen couldn't do because he doesn't have even half the speed that Kyler Murray has. I mean, he had one great escape that he threw a sideline pass that ended up being his only incompletion, but only because his re- receiver went out of bounds and came back in and caught it. Otherwise, uh, you know, it would have been a completion. And then we saw one where the Chargers just blasted in and sacked him because he had absolutely nowhere to go. So it's like, how much of that is Kyler Murray going to be able to take? Because I don't think the Cardinals offensive line is magically going to get better between now and week one. So it, his athleticism is what's going to hold this team together, hold the offense together. And, you know, you keep taking hit after hit after hit. He only took, I think, two hits tonight, but that's one series. You multiply that over a four-quarter game over a 16 game season, that's, that's getting beat up. And so that's, I think the question is going to be, can he take that? John, it sounds like you're bearish on the five wins over under. I am very, like a Chicago Bears kicker bearish. Uh, uh, you're, 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 you don't think Kyler Murray will go over five wins? I think five is like ceiling. Wow. Mm, interesting. Hmm. I mm. sort of like the over, I think. Yeah, I do like I, the over. I like the over a lot. I think it, it, but John's right. He, I mean, he ain't. If he's more RG three than Russell Wilson, this is going to be a short movie. Uh, yeah. If he can't slide, in terms of taking hits, not in terms of the way he plays. I just thought I just thought he looked comfortable, sort of getting out on the edge and being able to make easy throws. And I think Kingsbury can design an offense that will give that to him, even if it's not like. And he's not going to be scored sixty points a game. But I mean, if you can run tempo and you can create some some unique stuff, you can you can pull it off. Uh, okay. Moving. Oh wait, sorry, we can't move along from this game until we talk about the fact that um, the Chargers running backs, aside from the Eckler fumble, five carries, forty yards. That's eight per pop if you're counting at home in the first half for Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, five for twenty-two, and he looked physical on a uh, on a four-yard touchdown run that gave the car that gave the Chargers the lead in the second quarter. Aside, if Austin Eckler punches that ball in and scores a touchdown, it is a hellscape for Melvin Gordon. And I'm just not sure why. 
No, it still is. Yeah, I mean, they still ran well. I'm just not uh, – this game, this first half, and again, we're recording this at halftime. You know, I'm assuming they're not going to play Eckler and Jackson in the second half. Who knows with Anthony Lynn. But this game epitomized why you don't pay Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Melvin Gordon, I'll just go real quick, Ryan. You, I would have watched this game for four plays, taken my remote control, thrown it through my TV. Because play number two, Eckler, five-yard game. The fourth play of the game, Eckler, 13-yard game. And if I'm Melvin Gordon, I'm just thinking, my God, they don't need me at all. I have no ground to stand on with my demands. They're paying that guy like one-fifth of what I'm trying to get. So this is – and like you said, Brinson, if he doesn't fumble, if they score a touchdown, that is just like the screw you Melvin Gordon drive to start the preseason. And Phillip Rivers wasn't even in the game. They did it with Tyrod Taylor. So, I mean, yeah, this was just pretty much worst-case scenario for Melvin Gordon. Uh, three things. Let's see. Uh, cap hit for Melvin Gordon this year is $5.6 million. Cap hit for uh, Justin Jackson is six hundred sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Cap hit for Austin Eckler six hundred forty six thousand dollars. So you can have uh, what is that? Ten running backs for the uh, <laughs> Eckler and Jackson for the price of one Melvin Gordon. And they both look dynamic. And the Chargers' offensive line was was doing a good job opening up holes. The other thing that stood out to me about the Chargers' offense, uh, there was a catch down the sideline. By Mike Williams. Now, Tyrod Taylor started. There was no Phillip Rivers. But this was Pat Kerwin, uh, or a longtime colleague at CBS Sports, once coined the phrase I thought was incredible. I just think it was a great phrase. Rebound receiver. He was referring to Brandon Marshall. But basically, it's big guys who can go up and box out and get, you know, get the ball. Mike Williams, on this play, I mean, it's a ball that is thrown up. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a 50-50 ball. It's on his outside shoulder, but he just goes up and gets it, and there's no way a cornerback is going to stop him from getting it. I think Robert Alford was on him, and I just – man, I heard Mike Garofalo point this out. He's not a fantasy guy, but he's like, Mike Williams is going to have a monster year, and I think he's right. Uh, I think Mike Williams could be in store for a big-time season with the Los Angeles Chargers if he can stay healthy. Moving along to the most important game of the entire night. It involves Ryan's favorite person on the entire planet and my favorite person on the entire planet. Can you guess what game it is, Ryan? Um, the uh, Bill Belichick and, and Matt Patricia. Yeah, but my, but my, <laughs> yes, yes, Matt, yes, yes, Matt Patricia is correct. It is Lions Patriots, but my favorite person is Jacoby Myers. First, oh to, gosh, how did I forget that one? All right, for, go ahead. First to your favorite person, uh, Matt Patricia, down thirty-one to nothing. Good Lord. Payback for last season, I guess. He kicked a uh, 37-yard field goal. It was fourth and 16, in fairness, uh, with 2.17 to go in the fourth quarter. I uh, kicked a, th- a 37-yard field goal to lose 31-3. to I did bet the under on this one, so that's nice. That cashed. Uh, good for me. Um, I like how every time I talk about betting an under you or something in the preseason, you sort of want to freak out. Uh, in this game, though, Jacoby Myers – Six catches on eight targets, 69 yards, nice. Two touchdown receptions, one from Jared Siddham, one from Brian Hoyer. Jacoby Myers is making this roster. Book it. Take him in late in the fantasy drafts. In Keel Harry actually looked great too. He had two catches for 36 yards, including one incredible high point ball down the, down the, uh, the sideline. Stidham, 14 of 24, 179 and a touchdown. Hoyer, 12 of 14 for 147 and two touchdowns. Patriots, uh, backup quarterback situation looking pretty sharp, but I'm telling you, draft Jacoby Myers late in your fantasy drafts. If it's PPR, you best do it. Tom Brady was pumping him up earlier this week. They did the joint practices with uh, the Lions, 
And, you know, Brady is 42. He's seen everything. He's not going to unnecessarily go out and just uh, start complimenting undrafted free agents. And that's exactly what he did here. He, I think his exact quote was, uh, he's done a great job. He's taken advantage of the opportunities. I think that's really what we try to stress to anybody. It really doesn't matter. The football doesn't care how old you are, whether you were drafted or not. The football doesn't care how much experience you have. I mean, it's a classic Brady quote being uh, not very exciting, but he went out and saying, hey, this guy's awesome, and then he came out in the game and showed it off. I think yeah, no, I'm so, I was surprised Jacoby Myers wasn't drafted. I think you're right, Brent Smith. He's going to make the team. Um, he is not a home run here. He's a middle-of-the-field guy, but that's Tom Brady, guess what? Tom Brady loves those guys, and there'll be a spot for him. We were hearing that early on in, in training camp. He was out playing to kill Harry. We'll see how that works out. Nico uh, Harry's not a burner, so I don't think well, they're, they're just different guys. I mean, Myers yeah. is a big, sure-handed slot guy who can run great routes. And uh, by the way, we might have audio of those two uh, touchdown catches. I know you're dying for that. You know who that involves? Zolak. Rainbows, unicorns. Oh, my God. <laughs> Real stuff, Hoyer, looking the end zone, caught, touchdown to England. Jacoby Myers hauled it in, and the Patriots with a two-touchdown lead, a three-yarder this time. Yeah, he's working one. That was not the greatest, uh, Zolak. I'm looking for some, I'm looking for my heat here, Zolak. Come on, buddy. Steven Anderson, a movement tight end to the left. Sit him on the drop back, across the middle, touchdown Patriots, and it's the second of the night for Jacoby Myers. Wow. That a boy, Josh McDaniels, moving people around. Doesn't matter if you're a four-year vet. That was weak, Zolak. I want some heat. Zolak's the best in the business when it comes to outrageous Patriots banter. Um, in less, hey, quick, by the way, yeah, one, sure. one thing. Jared Stidham, the late third-round pick out of Auburn. I, I saw. I sort of liked him coming uh, coming into the, the draft weekend. He had a terrible year last year at Auburn. It wasn't all his fault, but horrible, seems horrible like a perfect year. situation. Yep where he could be a guy that could sit for a couple of years and worst case, just be the next Brian Hoyer because we know that Tom Brady's going to play forever. I was asked on CBS Sports HQ, our 24-7 Street Sports Network, uh, by Eric Casillas if he could be the heir apparent. And I you know, sort of dismissed it like, hey, look, he's the guy that he's the next guy in line that could potentially be there if Brady retires. But I mean, he did look pretty sharp. Uh, finally, well, uh, one quick note. Uh, I would uh, like Wilson to know real quick that the Lions did not even hit 100 total yards in this game. Wilson is here for the death of the Lions. What are we doing? What are, what are we doing? Oh, what? man. See, this is where I need a soundboard because I can play that Taylor Twelman. What are we doing? That's a great That's a great sound, sound bite. It is. Um, uh, what, what's the guy's name? I can never remember the guy they fired. The Colts coach. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. Nine and seven back to back seasons. Back to back years. They fired him for How this. How many games did they win last year? Five? Uh, six. Six and ten, yeah. Six and ten. And they can't even get a hundred yards in a preseason game. A preseason game. Okay. And one of those wins last year was gifted to them by the guy they played tonight. That's right. Um, this is kind of an amazing preseason stat. Do you know how many quarterbacks took snaps for the Houston Texans this evening? I didn't know this until I clicked on it a second ago. Don't cheat. I'm guessing four. I would guess three. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> one. Joe Webb, Joe Webb threw 40 passes tonight. <laughs> 20, he must have done something wrong at practice. 25 of 40, 286 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions for the Houston Texans. They would lose 26 to 28. Uh, he also ran six times for 47 yards. I hope you started him in your daily fit preseason fantasy. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Wolf Packers. I don't know how they how they scored? I guess they uh oh they had a fumble recovery, uh one yard touchdown pass. 
I mean, Deshaun Kaiser was eight of thirteen for 102 yards, and uh, T. Boyle was three of five for uh, 40 yards. So they didn't weren't exactly lighting it up in this new Matt Lafleur offense. I'm just trying to hit every game here if we possibly can. Uh, Tennessee, hey, hey, real quick, Joe Webb played yeah. the whole game because AJ McCarron's injury. That's right, great call, Breach, and because Bill O'Brien went rogue and traded everybody. <laughs> uh, Duke Johnson wasn't available to play quarterback. He's not going to be there till tomorrow. <laughs> Ryan Tan, Mar- Marcus Mariota, four of eight for 24 yards. More interesting though. For the Houston, for the Tennessee Titans, he won 27-10 over the Eagles. Ryan Tannehill, 12 of 16 for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Spicy. I think if you're rooting for a quarterback controversy, this is the one that has that sneaky dark horse potential. Cause look, Tannehill is a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's not like Marcus Mariota is Tom Brady and has this, uh, six Super Bowl rings behind him and he's unbenchable. And I think obviously right now, Mario is the starter, but if Tannehill goes off, Preseason game two, preseason game three. And you're Mike Frable. You don't have a ton of ties, Mariota. You didn't draft him. You, I think you could conceivably bench him and start Tannehill if you feel like he's clearly the better quarterback. You're also you're like, paying him, you're paying him 20.9 million though. Wait, yeah, for what? one season. You get rid of him after that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, pay him every week though. Even if he's getting, you can't bench him. I mean, you can, but I feel like that's a last case scenario. Yeah. Whatever. You're paying like what? 28 million for the two of them? Split the difference. 14 apiece. Um, <laughs> By the way, uh, in unfortunate news for the Philadelphia Eagles, Nate Sudfield was carted off in an air cast. Uh, that sounds like not a big deal. This is kind of a huge deal. I mean, Carson Wentz has been unable to play full seasons the last two years, and the only reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017 and then made the playoffs in 2018 is because Nick Foles is able to step in as a backup. He's now gone to Jacksonville. Nate Sudfeld has actually looked pretty sharp for the Eagles as a backup, and now it's just Cody Kessler behind him. That's a that's a that's. I mean, I don't want to overstate it. How huge is the drop off from Sudfeld to Kessler, though? I think it's pretty big. Sudfeld's kind of good. All right. He broke his arm or his leg? It was his arm, right? I think it's a wrist. Yeah, wrist. That's what it is, his wrist. I don't know how long it takes takes wrist to heal. It's his, uh, oh yeah, Doug Peterson told reporters that Nate Suffield suffered a broken left wrist and will have surgery on Friday. Oh, he's right-handed, so maybe that's something he can come back in a month or so. I don't know. Is I'm right, guessing. Is he right-handed? You sure about that? Yeah. Um, he's, he's amphibious, as Charles Shackerford once said. That's just Charles Jack from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, this is all just clearing the path for our boy Clayton Thorson to come in and seal the Eagles QB job. Oh, um, wait. Oh, they, I like Clayton. Clayton is – I thought he felt like a, a Patriots player to me and that he was a very system guy. Um, that actually is interesting development. He He's better than Cody Kessler, I feel like. So, interesting. I mean, ideally, Carson Wentz will just quit getting hit and, and play smarter, but you need a plan B. Uh, well, Ryan, so, well, I, let me just ask you then real quick. If you're Howie Roseman, are you just speed dialing everyone in your cell phone this weekend looking for a backup quarterback? Or are you comfortable with the possibility of Clayton Thorson being your backup quarterback behind your injury-prone uh, dude? Well, before Ryan answers, let me tell you, because Doug Peterson said, he said we're not at that point yet in terms of calling in a backup quarterback. <laughs> uh, and it's not season-ending surgery per, uh, per Doug Peterson. So maybe the hope is, all right, Nate. Fix your wrist in the next eight weeks because that's when Carson's going to get hurt. So, so try and get healthy by then. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know how Clayton's done during the preseason, but I I feel like based on how he played at Northwestern, that I'd be willing to wait it out because these guys, some guys are getting cut in two weeks anyway. So you can see he's on the scrap heap uh, and go from there. I can I, I can I can also tell you how Clayton Thurston played in the preseason: two of nine for seven yards and one interception. All right, get on the phone. <laughs> hey, that's better than uh, Davis Webb numbers. There you go. Uh, Baltimore won 29 to nothing 
over the Jacksonville Jaguars, Gardner Minshew. He of Gene Short fame led the way for Jacksonville, 7 of 14 for 46 yards. Is that good? Uh, Trace McSorley was the uh, top passing yards guy for the Ravens, 9 of 22 for 85 yards and an interception. Lamar Jackson looked fine at 4-6 for 59 yards and, and one TD. Not entirely accurate, but he, he was Lamar Jackson. Uh, more importantly, guys, it's, look, this is Ryan's forte. It's preseason week one gambling. John Harbaugh now 11 and 1 against the spread in week one of the preseason, according to John Ewing of the Action Network. Harbs is a lock. You better you, you want me to add to that stat? Of course. The preseason. Ravens have now won 15 straight preseason games overall, 15 and 0 straight up. Hammer the Harbaugh money line in the preseason. He just plays his guys. They just win. He, he plays it. He plays it. Why do They've we, why do we, defeat in the preseason in the last few years? 15 straight. They have not lost a preseason game yeah. since 2015. That's man, true. give that man a raise. Or, or maybe he's betting on himself in the preseason. He's driving up to Jersey, hammering. <laughs> he's, hammering. The, he's the Joe Flacco of the preseason. He's hammering. Is that John lines. Harbaugh in Atlantic City? That's how boring this game was. Uh, to, that, that we like, I, I didn't watch a second of that game. I mean, Gardner Minshew. Anyway, uh, last game, and we'll get out of here. Uh, almost last game. Uh, Chad Kelly in the Colts. Potentially ruined my money line preseason parlay. I had the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Colts, and the Cardinals. The Cardinals and the Colts couldn't. Chad Kelly couldn't find a way to overcome Matt Barkley. Barkley, 9 of 14, 126 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen, 6 of 11 for 66 yards. Mark of the Beast. Tyree Jackson, 2 of 10 for 45 yards. That sums up Tyree Jackson pretty well. Two completions for 45 yards and eight incompletions. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was very bad. 2 of 5 for 21 yards to start. Um, and the Colts just didn't look, you know, they ran some, I don't know, they were fine. Whatever. Uh, not very, not a very exciting game. Devin Singletary actually looked pretty good running the ball and receiving. He had a nice little, uh, scamper, 10 yard scamper on a, uh, on a third and nine or something like that. And then, uh, Denver and Seattle currently underway as we record this. Drew Locke, five of seven, 55 yards. Suck it, Vic Fangio. Paxton Lynch, two of three, 21 yards. Geno Smith, three of nine, 58 yards. Rashard Penny, six carries into the, uh, late in the second quarter. What are you doing, guys? Get him out of there. Anything uh, Anything else you guys want to add from the news and notes? Robert Quinn, Cowboys uh, defensive end, suspended two two games. For a nice bounce back by Drew Brees after a, a tough start of the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I think of the four quarterbacks, I'm going to rank Daniel Jones just ahead of Kyler Murray. Drew, Drew Brees. Daniel, Drew, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. I was like, Drew Brees. Drew Locke, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Drew Brees. Um, yeah, the rookie quarterbacks. Drew Locke had a rough Hall of Fame yeah. game, and then he, he this 5-7 is certainly much better. But in terms of ranking the quarterbacks, I'm going DJ first, Kyler second, then Dwayne and Drew Locke for first week uh, performances. Hey, John, over under 90 minutes for this full podcast. Include- over under on how many mean emails EK sends you for running this thing 90 minutes? Uh, One and a half. <laughs> I'll take the over. <laughs> and I'll take the over on the 90. Uh, wait, yeah, it's over. It's, uh, we're at, uh, 95 right now. Can you imagine, Brian, you've been talking to me for 95 minutes today. Yeah, against my will. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We sent somebody to your house, but we sent, uh, Matt Patricia to your house. He kidnapped <laughs> you. <laughs> and he made you talk to me for 95 minutes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, the three of us will discuss uh, breakout defenses. Awesome preseason breakdown, guys. Man, can't wait for the actual football. 
Hyundai's most electric EV lineup changes the way you look and feel about EVs, specifically Hyundai EVs. Hyundai's EV lineup has everything you've been yearning for in your next or first EV, boldly captivating your senses. There's the ultra-fast charging in the Ionic 5 and Ionic 6 from 10 to 80% in as little as 18 minutes. There's the fun-to-drive lineup and the tech-infused standard safety features like highway driving assist and blind spot collision warning. Plus, you get America's best warranty with a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited electric battery warranty. Learn more about Hyundai EVs at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, time to talk some breakout defenses. We recorded this earlier in the day on uh, Thursday, August 8th. Joining me right now, because I don't know if they'll be joining me in the future, but they might be, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, boys? How about those games? That was terrible. Those games, weren't those games incredible? Wasn't that awesome, Ryan? Did you love? I I can't believe that thing happened with that person who, who did that thing. Yeah, Drew Stanton was amazing, wasn't he? Um, just <laughs> throwing out a name who might work for the preseason matchups. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about some defenses now because defense wins championships, as everybody knows. Um, you know what? I'm going to let uh, age before beauty. So I'm going to let Ryan Wilson go first, and then John Breach will just be last because you're, like, you know, not beautiful uh, or old. Uh, but um, – Let's keep kidding. Uh, it's like that's a backwards compliment. I'm going to take it. Yeah, you should take it and run with it. Uh, Ryan, give me your you, – you picked the Steelers to break out. I think the Steelers are a really interesting team because a few – you know, for years the Steelers were synonymous with defense, uh, the, the steel curtain, et cetera, et cetera. And then for a long stretch, I mean, our buddy Brian McFadden, uh, one of the best defenses of the past 20 years in two, the 2008 Steelers, and even like they started to sort of build back up. But once Ryan Shazier got hurt a few years ago, things fell apart – how? What's the Steelers' path to being the number one defense in football this year? Ooh, number one—that's steep. I, well, I well, think- but I mean, I mean, the goal is to say like because the Bears, going by DVOA, the Bears were the 14th best defense in 2017, and they jumped up and became the number one defense. So we're looking for a team. The Steelers last year uh, by 13th. 13th in DVOA, ninth the year before. 
That's right. They've been okay, but they haven't been great. Like, what's their path to breaking out? And they haven't looked like the 13th or 9th best team the last two years on defense for anyone who's watched every every snap. Uh, It's averaged out, clearly, and that's why they're sort of middle of the road, slightly better than that. But uh, last year, and it's been the case for since basically the the 2010 team, that 2010 team went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Packers, your first Super Bowl, Will Brinson, yeah, and the Ice Bowl in Dallas. But um, the pass defense has been a huge issue. They've always been able to stop the run since the team was basically invented. And, and how do you go about doing that? So they drafted Artie Burns in 2016 uh, because John Breach's Bengals took William Jackson the pick before. They stole that pick from the Steelers, and that had a huge effect on the secondary. Um, they had uh, Terrence uh, – uh, Terrell Edmonds they drafted last year, uh, Tremaine Edmonds' brother, the Bills' first-round pick, played safety. He he's he was okay. He was a rookie. But uh, you mentioned it. They lost Ryan Shazier, a huge loss. They drafted him in 2014. He went down in 2017 in that game against the Bengals. Breach was there as well. I think the problem here, as we were sort of identifying this, is John Breach. But they weren't able to replace him last year. They, they this is slander, Wilson. That is this is slander. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. Look in your mailbox <laughs> over the next week. Uh, I will I will be at the mailbox every day with bated breath. But you are the, you are he, you are of the age where you could probably get excited about mail. Like I could uh, see you getting be like, oh, there's something. Like, I think there's something. I go out coming. there in my knee high socks and my slippers, check the mail as soon as it comes by. But uh, so at the end of the 2017 season, after Shazier got hurt, they 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 tried to re-sign Sean Spence literally off the couch. That was a disaster in the middle of the defense. The, the playoffs went poorly. Last year it was John Bostic who is now uh, elsewhere. I can't. I think he signed in Washington, maybe, but he's no longer there. And they signed um, Mark Barron, former top ten pick of the Bucks, who was safety. He sort of converted to a more of a tweener role. He did that with the Rams. Not great, but he's a, a, an athletic guy who can play in sort of that tweener role they wanted. Um, They're looking for, but also more importantly, they traded up to number ten to get Devin Bush. And for an idea of how big a deal this was. I didn't hear one person in the Steelers media, Pittsburgh media, one Steelers fan complain about going from 22 to 10 and giving up a second-round pick and next year's third-round pick, I believe, for Devin Bush. That's how critical it was to fill the middle of this defense, and he's going to be a huge determining factor of whether this defense is replacement level or whether they do, in fact, make that leap. And they're going to have to make that leap because we talked blue in the face about this. Le'Veon's gone, gone, A.B. and his frozen feet are gone, and the, the Browns are going to be really good. The Ravens are going to be the Ravens, and you know John thinks the the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. So uh, it starts there. The secondary has to play better, but Joe Hayden he got uh, he was carted off on Wednesday. He's going to be fine apparently. They signed Stephen Nelson, uh, the Chiefs, the biggest money they ever gave given to a, a free agent cornerback, and they drafted uh, Justin Lane out of Michigan State, a guy I like a lot. We talked to B Mac about this a few weeks ago. He said Justin Lane, while he's six one or six two, looks pretty slight. To, to be a, a, an NFL cornerback, so it may take some time with him. But that said, um, I think if these guys sort of reach their – played an 8 out of 10, and you're going to need a lot of things to go right, they have a chance to, to be finally really good. It's taken nine years now to get back to the form they were that made them a, a Super Bowl team. 20, uh, 22.5 points per game allowed by the Steelers at 16th out of 32. They were just, just straight-up average on uh, on defense. And, you know, when you look at – um, you know, it hadn't felt like in terms of where they've been on turnovers that they've been very good. Like, you know, they've always been a team that, I mean, not necessarily it was like turnover, 
relied on turnovers from a defensive standpoint, but they just haven't generated a ton of turnovers in recent years. Well, back in the James Harrison days, it was sacks and turnovers. Yeah. And that 2008 team, they were just dominating guys, strip sacks, and then uh, pick sixes on the back end. There's been very little of that, and that's a huge thing they need to change. I mean, I, I read quotes where uh, Tom was talking about they're focusing on turnovers during training camp. Shouldn't that you always be focusing on, on creating turnovers? Is that just <laughs> or is that a talking point? Because at the end of the day, that's a big part of who determines who wins and loses football games. Yeah, they had uh, eight eight interceptions last year, which was bottom, not bottom of the barrel, but pretty close to it, and just thirteen uh, forced fumbles. You know, when you you know when you look at the forced fumbles too, you always have to look at uh, recovered fumbles. And the Steelers had just seven of thirteen fumbles recovered, which means that this could be a team, Ryan uh, or John Breach, if you want to dive in, that could bounce back uh, by virtue of uh, you know some balls bouncing their way. Also, they're going to play the Bengals twice, John, so that's great. That's not going to help them at all, Wilson. The Bengals are going to light them up. You ever seen Andy Dalton? It's daytime games. He's going to roll. But, Wilson, let me ask you this. The Steelers uh, rank sixth in the amount of yards per game they gave up. Brinson already mentioned they were 16th in points per game, which is slightly more important because you need to score more points the other team to win the game. Do you think they are better or worse in those two categories in 2019? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. What, what was the, what was the first stat you gave me? Uh, they ranked sixth, sixth best defense in terms of total yards. So they surrendered the six fewest yards. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that, that can fluctuate. And, and again, that sort of depends on the situation and where you are in the game. I would imagine they give up fewer points. They're going to need to. Cause we don't know. I mean, I know Brinson's high on this offense. I got to see what happens without AB and, and we know Le'Veon, they can win without him, but. Uh, do they have depth at running back? But I feel like this team gives up fewer points because they're going to be getting after the quarterback uh, more. And we know, I mean, this is sort of interesting. I, I don't buy into it yet. PFF is all about defensive backs being more important than pass rushers. And, look, if you're not getting after the quarterback, I don't care how many Jalen Ramses you have on your team. You're not guarding guys for very long. Hey, so um, I, quick question out of nowhere. Very much out of nowhere. Well, not totally out of nowhere. Why has no one done a frozen Photoshop with Antonio Brown and John Gruden yet? Frozen the movie? Yeah, like 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 a picture of like John Gruden, like Antonio. Let Brown. it go, yeah. let it go. This, because it's not a Disney podcast, Princeton. We were for CBS, not ABC. I'm gonna, this, will, this will be on Twitter shortly. A horrible I, Photoshop I, of Will Princeton. No, I'm going to ping our social media team and be like, "Hey, we need a, a frozen photograph." Oh, there you go. At least you're delegating now. Yeah, absolutely. But I think they give a fewer points. They could allow. Um, more yards just because uh, that doesn't necessarily that's not necessarily indicative of, of a good or bad defense but I, I think I think fewer points is going to be critical to them being back in the playoffs all right you could uh, also make like a horror movie type uh photoshop there Brent so you could do like uh John Gruden as Chucky and then like Antonio Brown kind of Donner Party situation and uh you know mesh those two together and all of a sudden you could come up with something crazy or like John, like like AB could be Elsa, like and you know she's holding up that little frozen floating star. It could be like his foot instead. Like you know, you're you sticking with the the frozen theme. Yeah, uh, I love how both of you just totally disrespected my take on the Steelers to talk about kids movies. And Chuck. okay, but you know what? Since we did that, I think we should flip a coin, and the loser out of me and Brinson has to go into a cryotherapy chamber without protection on our feet just to see what happens and report back to the podcast. Have you done cryotherapy, Breach? I have, as I mentioned, as I told Brady Quinn, a fellow former athlete who's also Uh, in cryotherapy. What circumstances are you doing cryotherapy? Me? 
Yeah, you're the only one that's done it, apparently. This is not cry therapy, Brinson, where you just cry a lot. It's cry out. Have you never been in a therapist? I weren't told at all, but I was very sad. You've never wept in a therapist office before? (laughs) No, uh, I did it with uh, on a Gatorade thing, or uh, maybe it was a... Oh, you were hooked up to the bike machine and all that? No, 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 no. They put me in the in the tube, and it was like, you're shirtless in your boxers with like... Boy, but with, you, you, gotta, you have to have, hey, I like, I like fine shirtless, dad bod, but, uh, you gotta have, uh, special socks and gloves on when you go in there because your extremities will freeze off or you'll end up like Antonio Brown. Uh, so moving along to, um, from one frozen fool to another frozen fool, John Breach in Nashville, uh, you think the Titans could be a sleeper to leap up and become a top tier defense? Uh, explain why, please. Well, let me just say that the Titans are one of those small market teams that no one pays attention to. As a matter of fact, I did not even know they existed until I moved to Nashville, (laughs) found out there was a football team here, and I was like, whoa, this is good. My job's covering football. There's a football team here. It's all going to work out. And the thing is, having lived here for two years, I've watched a lot more Titans games than I ever thought I would. I've probably watched more in the past two years than I had watched in my entire life before this. And so the one thing watching them last year is that it felt like they had a very underrated defense. Either people just weren't talking about it. Uh, you know, we saw Kevin Byard get the get paid the most money ever of any safety in NFL history. I love Kevin Byard. He's a great. He's a tremendous fan of uh, NFL football. <laughs> well, I didn't watch the film. Is that what you were going for? Is Deion Sanders thought he was a fan? Well, I mean, yeah, we can go there too because it's like that's how unknown the Titans. Yeah, are. I mean, exactly. That's a good example of no one knowing. Who they are. And so the thing is, this is a team that only gave up 18.9 points per game last year. So that was third in the NFL. Literally the third best defense as far as surrendering the fewest points. They trounced the Patriots, uh, it, when Tennessee beat them 2018, 34 to 10, one of only two games where New England was held under 300 yards. So the thing here is that the defense was already good. And here's what they did this offseason. They went out, they drafted Jeffrey Simmons. Wilson, how do you feel about Jeffrey Simmons? Love him. I, he he is a top five player. He tours ACL in February, so he may not play till November or December, best case. But he is he is a top five player, like right behind Quentin Williams type talent. And the thing is, when you draft a guy coming off an ACL tear, knowing he's not going to play until later in the season, you do that because you're already confident with what you have. And so the Titans already have a strong defensive line, and not only that. But they also added Cameron Wake. And if Cameron Wake has anything left in the tank, he doesn't have to be an every-down player. So, boom, you have that. And then, obviously, they have Jarrell Casey. We already talked about Bayard, Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, Malcolm Butler got better as last season went on. I mean, he struggled. We all saw that to start. He can't be worse than he was last year. So he's only going to get better. Uh, and, and, you know, and they got Logan Ryan. It's just the defense is loaded. And, and so – that's what they need to compete in the AFC South because you have Andrew Luck and that Colts offense could be explosive. Uh, when you see a loaded defense like that go up against a horrible offense, which we saw the Titans do against the Jaguars last year, uh, the Jags scored 12 points total in two games. So, like, the Titans are built to win. We've seen them. I think they've had three straight seasons uh, with winning records. Correct me if I'm Yeah, so three straight seasons of nine and seven. With this defense, I don't see how they can do any worse than nine and seven this year. I'll say this too, as I look at their their um 
their roster. They actually did a fantastic job in the draft on the defensive side of the ball. I haven't been following them during training camp, so I don't know how these these guys are doing. We know about Jeffrey Simmons, but DeAndre Walker out of Georgia is an edge rusher who's smaller, but he's he's great against the run. He's not a bad pass rusher. David Long Jr. out of West Virginia is an inside linebacker. He's small but extremely quick and fast. So that I mean that's depth there behind Woodyard and, and Rashawn Evans. Amani Hooker was one of my favorite safeties coming out of Iowa. He has a chance to play. Again, I don't know what these guys have been doing in training camp, but on paper, this is a solid draft. And I, I'll be honest, John's exactly right. I have not paid attention to the Titans because they're <laughs> extremely boring, which is so weird because they live in the best city in the country. True. Like, I think, I think Vanderbilt football is more exciting to people than, <laughs> than I'm not even joking than, than the Titans, but this, this team on paper defensively looks to be really good. Uh, the other thing worth noting about the Titans is that, um, Dean Pease is a great defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, look, when you look at their defensive DVOA, they, Baltimore ranked, just looking at a, you know, in his previous stop, uh, they ranked, uh, in his, in his five years there, third, sixth, 20th, which is kind of an outlier, um, and, uh, eighth and then seventh, I think. I mean, you know, the point is he had really good defenses. He was in New England for four years. Um, and then I thought he started to get the most out of that Tennessee team last year. I had them on my list from BMAC and I did this breakout defenses last year. I had the Titans on my list as a team that I thought could step up. Jarrell Casey, criminally underrated. Harold Landry could really start to develop. Um, and if Malcolm Butler has a half decent year, uh, suddenly that second is good, so I like that pick. Uh, hey, I, by the way, let me ask uh, sure. something quickly. John keeps talking about the time that the Titans trounced the, the Patriots. I'm going to go back to my theory. I feel like Belichick lets former coaches win. The Lions beat the the, the Patriots last year, so I think Mike Vrabel is a slightly better coach than Matt Patricia. By the well, way, so, so you know what's funny? I was going to ask you that because I know <laughs> of your theory. I know you think Belichick lets his guys off the hook. And so I specifically mentioned uh, when the Titans won that game with the Patriots, it was one of two games all year where the Patriots were held under 300 one. yards. You guess the other one. Come on. That is – see, there, I mean, there's something to that. That Pat- – I mean, that Lions team is a clown show. <laughs> And they uh, held, uh, yeah, the Patriots under 300. It was the Lions. I got a, I got a, I don't know if this is a, this is not really a sleeper pick <laughs> per se. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to go with the team that finished ninth in DVOA last year. Um, it, the Dallas Cowboys. They made a huge leap from the year before from 25th to 9th. I think sometimes you see that, like, a big leap up the middle of the standings and then one more vault into the top, into the upper echelon. But I think when you look at the Cowboys, right, you talk about a team uh, that gave up the sixth fewest points last year, 20.3 points per game. Um, and, and when you look at them, especially in the second half, man, they were, they were putting teams on, uh, they were putting teams on lockdown, right? Except for the, the Giants lobbing up 35 on them in, in, in week 17. I'm not sure that, uh, that entirely qualifies. The one that, the game that really stands out to me, actually I gotta say the two games, they went into Atlanta in, in week 11. Um, as they were sort of starting that hot streak down the stretch and they held the Falcons to less than 20 points in Atlanta. That's pretty good. They, um, limited the Eagles to a total of 43 points in two matchups against Philadelphia. Very good play caller there. Indianapolis trounced them 23 nothing, but they didn't put up a big number. Uh, they held the Buccaneers to just 20 points. Tampa was one of the top offenses, but most of all, the, uh, the Saints came into Dallas. And everybody was expecting a big game for New Orleans. And they absolutely locked down Drew Brees and company, held them to 10 points. They did give up 52 points in the playoffs. A little bit concerning, but I thought they were very good against Seattle and just okay. They sort of caved against the run. I think when you look at what they have personnel-wise, and I know I crapped all over the Cowboys and said they could lose the first three games to terrible teams last year, but 
If Robert Quinn can get back in time, if Demarcus Lawrence can get back in time, if Taco Charlton can kind of develop. I mean, some dudes take a couple years to really uh, break out. They got Malik Collins. Um, you know, <laughs> excuse me. They have uh, Sean Lee still alive and kicking. But more importantly, the two the two linebackers and Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, Smith, of course, the 2016 second round pick, redshirted, then came on strong last year. Vander Esch had a great case to be defensive rookie of the year. Uh, and then on the back end. Byron Jones developing nicely. Chidobe Awuzie, underrated. Jordan Lewis came out and played well. And Xavier Woods looks like he could be a top safety. So I think there's a personnel, person, the personnel here, plus the coaching of Rod Marinelli, who gets the most out of his defenses. Um, you know, plus a, a schedule that's going to feature Eli Manning twice and whoever the hell the, the, the Redskins roll out twice. I think there's a chance, and maybe, uh, maybe Carson Wentz, if he's healthy, who knows if he'll stay healthy. I think there's a chance the Cowboys could come out and, uh, and be the top defense in the NFL this year. So wait, where's what's the diagnosis on Demarcus Lawrence? Well, yeah, that we talked about this yesterday with you on here. I'm not sure if you remember. I, oh, I'm, I'm I'm just I was while you were talking, I looked up the roster on our lads, and his name's not even listed. Yeah, he's, I mean he's he's still recovering from that back surgery. Remember, the, oh. he had the surgery done. That was sort of like flew under the radar as like a, a big storyline because Demarcus Lawrence, you know, signed that big contract this off season, but he was. He was holding off on, on surgery. He didn't want to go under the knife until he had the contract right. done. And so the Cowboys are sort of pressured. Like, hey, like, if you want this guy to be ready for the season, you better bang out the contract so we can get the surgery done. And it is cutting it just at least a tiny bit close in terms of getting things done. So, uh, it, you know, an interesting little situation unfolding there. But if everybody's healthy and ready to go, man, this is a, this is a really good is defense. Is this team at full health on defense better than the Eagles defense? Um, I think it's more balanced on a, on a whole. Okay. They did draft a bunch of guys on the defensive line. So maybe they had some hint that Demarcus Lawrence was going to be slow to return and they needed to to restock the position. Um, I think, I think the pass rushers on Philly are better with Cox and, and Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, who they added this offseason, Derek Barnett, sort of flying under the radar. Tim Jernigan came back, but you know, who knows would be healthy. Josh Sweat, Vinnie Curry, the the defensive line in Philly is better, but like, if you're if you're adding in the linebackers in the secondary, I would take Dallas over Philly. And by the way, Philly's not going to make our list somehow, uh, even though they're a very good choice, because uh, Sean Wagner McGuff came on into our Slack chat and said he would take the Eagles, but he might not be on this podcast. So uh, it might be worth mentioning the Eagles as a possible breakout defensive candidate too. I feel like they were better last year, so it's not like they have a lot of room for improvement. Philly, Philly, no, Philly was went from fifth in DVOA. In 2017 to 15th last year. Okay, so they're around there. All right, fair enough. No, they're they're a really good candidate, especially with the rebound. No, I, I like the line. Cowboys' selection. I think this is going to be a big part, and maybe this is what you have to convince Jerry Jones. Hey, listen, man, the defense is good. We don't need to put all this money into Zeke. He can hang out for a while and, and hope that the defense can carry us, and that they can get through that terrible three-game stretch where you think they're going to go 0 and three to start the season against the three worst teams in the league. But that is the worst part is that it, there are these injuries. So you have, Brinson keeps going if Demarcus Lawrence is there, if Robert Quinn's on the field, and even Sean Lee seems to be dealing with some sort of injury, uh, pretty much like a new injury every week. So there's no guarantee he'll be on the field in week one. And like, uh, we mentioned it the other day that you're down three starters. Sure, the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins sound like three very winnable games, but if by chance they're down three defensive starters and down Zeke, Man, that's, uh, that's rough. But if everyone's healthy, I do, I do really like Princeton's pick, and I think the Cowboys could sneak up in the top three defense. If they're down on those guys, John, where are they going in those first three games? 
Are they going to win? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, what's the record going to be after three games? Do you, I, let me look at the schedule. I can't remember the team. Uh, two and one at worst. It's Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. Yeah, so the worst case, even if every one of the team is hurt and Jerry Jones has to play safety, they're going to go two and one in those first three games. All right, uh, moving along. Ryan Wilson, your number two selection um, should have been your number one selection. You stole it from me. It's okay to admit it. The Los Angeles Superchargers. Well, the thing is, last year they were eighth in DBOA. Right. The year before that, they were twelfth. So this team doesn't have a long way to go. They were they finished tenth in pass defense and tenth in, in rushing defense. But I think on paper they're actually better than they were last year. I'm not saying something. I think their um, seminal moment was when they destroyed the, the Ravens to the point where fans were booing in the second quarter and calling for Joe Flacco to take the field. I mean, that has to be a low point in Ravens history um, on the field. We will talk about Ray Lewis's white suit. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Too far? <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, the Chargers are better, man. And, and I think they drafted Jerry Tillery, a defensive lineman, who helps. He'll help immediately. Um, they drafted another kid, Cortez Broughton, out of Cincinnati, who plays on the defensive line. He's a little more up and down, but he's a great athlete. They got the safety Nasir Adderley out of Delaware, who's going to help immediately. So now you have Derwin James, you have this Nasir Adderley, you have Desmond King, you have all these playmakers on the back end, Casey Hayward. Your boy Thomas Davis is there. And, of course, Melvin Ingram, Bosa, um, Justin Jones. So the, I, I just think this team is going to be more athletic, faster to the ball, hitting harder, making plays, and uh, giving your your guy Phillip Rivers a chance to finally uh, make a Super Bowl run. You're not picking them in the Super Bowl, are you? Um, Who was It was Vikings and someone else initially. Vikings and Chargers where I've been oh. leaning. But I might go Vikings Steelers or Panthers uh, Steelers. Nah, just go with the Chargers. There's four, so, four, it's, it's gonna be between four teams. Vikings, Panthers, Chargers, Steelers. Alright. Yeah, well, I, I think this defense is gonna be a huge help, just like it has been in the last two seasons for, for Phillip Rivers, but I, I feel like they're gonna be better this year. Like, this is like a top three team in my eyes, defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think if you're, the, if you're looking at the Chargers, that this is a team, much like the Cowboys, where we might not really realize it, but the defense could, bypass the offense in terms of the streak to the team. I mean, the offensive line is sort of a problem. We don't know what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. Uh, and then defensively, like you said, add Thomas Davis, who I know is old as, as, uh, as dirt, but I mean, like they have to, they had to get linebacker help. And I thought they did a pretty good job addressing it. Their pass rushing is fantastic. They are filthy in the middle with Brandon Meebane, Justin Jones, and, um, uh, uh, Jerry Tillery, who they added if he can impact him right away. Denzel Perryman, they need to stay on the field. He just hadn't been able to stay healthy. And that secondary man is loaded. I think Gus Bradley. This is how he, you know, this defense has a great year. This is how he angles his way breach into potentially getting a uh, another head coaching job. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the thing about the Chargers and and building a stacked defense that maybe the Cowboys don't have to worry about so much is that they have to play the Chiefs twice a year. So you have to figure out how to match up, how to slow down, how to stop this Chiefs offense that averages 90 points per game. And I feel like that's kind of how they built this defense. And the thing is, if you're built to stop the Chiefs' offense, you can stop any offense. So I think Ryan's right. I think this is definitely a, a top three possibility defense. And you have to – the Chargers, maybe not they're a dark horse pick because they went 12-4 and four last year, but I do feel like maybe they're a dark horse pick to get to the Super Bowl or maybe not a dark horse pick because Brinson picks them every year. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, it feels like a team that is almost a lock for the playoffs. By the hey, way, let, by let, the, let, just, just quickly. Okay, I was just going to say that uh, – 
while we were recording this, we were just mentioning the Cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. Kelby Sutterfield, a podcast listener, DM me. My DMs are open. If you got fantasy questions, want to compliment the podcast, insult the podcast, complain, whatever it is. I get them, I get them all. Um, he says, yo, I'm a big fan of the pod. Been listening every day for a year. The tangents are great, by the way. Thank you for stating there are no layups in the NFL. If anyone thinks that the Cowboys are 100% unable to lose to the Giants week one, they just don't know football. I appreciate your generally unbiased analysis of the NFL. Unbiased. Generally He's... unbiased. Generally unbiased. John just said two and one. I think two and one is, Certainly reasonable. Two and one is much more likely than one and two if they have Jerry Jones playing safety. That's my point. Okay. Anyway, what you were going to say about the Cowboys, or do you want to throw to let's throw to John on the uh, the Broncos? Well, sorry. let me ask this quickly. I want to ask both of you. Okay. If you can only have one Melvin play for the entirety of the 2016 season, Ingram, and it's not close. Okay. Melvin All Ingram right. easily Melvin Ingram over Melvin Gordon. Do you feel differently, John? If I can only have one Melvin play for I'll take, the Chargers. I'll take Melvin Ingram to play running back for Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon ain't rushing the passer. Play Melvin Melvin Ingram two ways. He can run the ball. He's a freak. Yeah, I agree. They just have more depth at running back. You can't pull someone like Melvin Ingram off the field. That takes a hit to the – like a huge pass rushing hit on the defense. Right. You take out Melvin Gordon, you take a baby step back. Uh, going to Justin, Justin Jackson or Austin Aikler. So I just, yeah, I, I would definitely take Ingram. Well, somebody needs to tell Melvin. In the battle of the Melvins. I mean, Melvin Gordon is about to learn it the hard way, my friend. He's, uh, he's going to learn it when he gets into the contract negotiations. By the way, anytime you end a sentence with comma, my friend, you're being a jerk. <laughs> Nothing you say is meant to be nice before what preceded my friend. Well, I was saying it to Melvin Gordon. No, I understand, but yeah, any yeah. sort of conversation where it goes, comma, my friend, yeah. You know the person's being a condescending butthole. <laughs> Brinson, That's my a... friend, thinks the Cardinals are going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, the Cardinals, f you. I'm, not, I'm off the Cardinals bandwagon. Um, I will say that uh, I will say that uh, it was actually when we did like A/B testing for this podcast name uh, when we decided on Pick Six Podcast, it narrowly beat out condescending butthole. So, <laughs> <laughs> and choice number three was Breacher Report, but Brinson didn't want to host anything with my name on it. I actually, if I could go back and do it over, I would change the podcast name to Off the Rails. Yeah, but then people think it's like a, it's a podcast about trains. I, I would listen to a podcast about trains, so I wouldn't even hate on that. If if John Breach like took his ca- camera right now and fl- actually, who would be more likely if we took our cameras right now and we panned them around our offices, respective st- studio setups here? Who would be most likely? To have a uh, a model train somewhere in the background. I feel like it's a breach just moved, so it's kind of unlikely. Ryan's like glancing awkwardly at his I model can train. Literally see <laughs> the Thompson engine tracks out of corner of my eye. I'm in my basement. Wilson yeah. definitely comes across as a model train set guy. That's not an insult. That's not a compliment. <laughs> not That's a it's my kids. I'm I'm, I'm a ship and bottle man. Damn it! I'm not a model train guy. Yeah, all right, all I'm right. like Ron Swanson. Wilson we're, needs to wear an engineer's hat on the next podcast. Can you do that for me? I have if, I, if I send you one, do you have one? <laughs> and I have a train whistle too, so yes. <laughs> um, the only team that's been actually the number one defense in the NFL in the last, uh, in the last, I guess, 10 years. What did I send you guys? Um, that, that is on our list. The Denver Broncos, John, you picked them as a potential bounce back candidate. It's a great choice because as I'm literally just said, um, they were, oh, right, here's the list. Bears 2018, Jaguars 2017. Broncos 16 and 15, Seahawks 14 and 13, Bears 12, Ravens 11. That's the last, uh, what is that? Nine, uh, nine or 10, whatever the hell it is, uh, top defenses in the NFL by DVOA. So Broncos, a very good pick here, John. Well, the Broncos defense just 
fell off the face of the earth last year. It was like we always expect them to be good. They basically carried Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl in 2015. They're still in that really good window. John, just, uh, just for the record, they were fifth in DVOA last year. So. But they were giving up a lot of points, and you need to not give up points to win games. And they were giving up a lot of yards, and you need to not give up yards to win games. And they were uh, not picking off passes. They were not recovering fumble. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things they weren't doing well. Um, so here's the thing. Is should that, we, should we even allow him to get the Broncos in, Ryan? I feel like this is a, John's going to brag about this a year well, for now. No, because I would say that I, I think fifth and DVOA is a little bit high. I mean, if you watch what the Broncos did, they really, they just John weren't a great defense he, last year. He season. hates analytics. He's basically the Dave Gettleman. No, you know what? It, no, it might I'm have, not saying that. It might, it might have, it might have I don't have to agree with every ranking in the DVOA. I think for the most part, it's, it's an, a good ranking, but I do not think it is, uh, like the, <laughs> And I'll be all ranking. No, that was John. That was my Dave Gettleman impression. And in in John's defense, I made a list of teams that were off the table in the Denver Broncos, despite giving up the ninth fewest points. And uh, and I'm not even sure how many yards were being fifth in DVOA. We're not on that list. So by all means, go ahead, Breach. And I picked the Chargers, who also have been very good. Yeah. I don't know if you're reading a list from two years ago, but the Broncos gave up the 13th fewest points, Brent, and not ninth. They weren't even in the top 10. Brent has got his puzzled pace on. I, I got a lot of websites going on. I'm trying to track this PGA leaderboard. I got DJ lighting it up. So who knows? Um, anyway, tell me why you love the Broncos this year to be the number one defense. Vic Fangio, you bring him in, you raid the Bears, you bring him to Denver. He does everything. Vance Joseph had no idea what he was doing. Vance Joseph was in over his head last year. And, uh, you know, we've seen what Vic Fangio can do with defenses. And the thing is, you look at what they did. They brought in, uh, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson. So you beef up. Your secondary, you already have Chris Harris there. You got all that drama figured out, so you don't have to worry about, you know, Chris Harris missing any games because now he's happy with his contract. And obviously you already have Von Miller, Derek Wolf, Bradley Chubb. Uh, the defense is loaded and they're coming off one down year that's not really a down year because they were fifth in DVOA, as Brinson mentioned. Uh, but with Vic Fangio running the show, they're going to be first in DVOA. And it doesn't matter whether or not Dave Gettleman or I approve of analytics because that they're going to rank at the top. Um, I got, I got no reason to complain about the Broncos. I think when you look at this team, one of the problems that they ran into as sort of they came off that top tier defensive ranking is that their, their run defense fell apart and adding Bradley Chubb and Josie Jewell in the 2018 NFL draft helped them a ton in that respect. Von Miller's fantastic against the run. Uh, Chubb, my boy, uh, great against the run. They didn't, ha- Chubb is great against the run. What do you want? Bradley Chubb? No, your boy. I mean, he's for, anybody from NC State is my boy. That's I, that that's why I was shaking my head. Uh, Derek Wolf is still there. Bringing back Chris Harris was enormous. If you lose Chris Harris, it's a major problem. Adding Bryce Callahan as a nickelback, and now you got Vic Fangio working with his defense. It's a great pick. I love it. Yeah, I told you they're my they're my sort of dark horse team to make the playoffs. A lot has to go wrong for the Chiefs and or the Chargers, but if Joe Flacco, this is a by the way, this is an absolute. Th- thievery. 180. Uh, no, 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 no. It's an act, like, I'm the guy who's been pumping up the, Sean talked about like reading into my psyche because I do this every day. How about Ryan's psyche? Cause I was all in on the, uh, all in on the, um, the Joe Broncos Flacco. and Joe Flacco. I mean, I just like what they're building. Um, but the only thing is, and I took great hesitation after watching the Hall of Fame game because they did not look great. And then last week we were talking at the, uh, a couple weeks ago, the first day of practice when Garrett Bowles sacked Joe Flacco in practice. 
So those things give me pause. But on paper, the, the offensive line was actually really good last year. They had no quarterback. They haven't had a quarterback, and we know that John Nell was terrible at that. So this is the last one I talk about because I talk about it every podcast. But I feel like this team, if they win more than eight games, that, that's a huge development. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, final team that I've got. I was gonna go to the Panthers, but I think we talked about the Panthers enough on here. I, they would be one of the other three, te- other, one of the other two teams that I pick. Uh, instead, I will go with a team that I think is fascinating from a perspective of, you know, we keep mentioning, uh, defense maybe passing by the offense. I think the New Orleans Saints are a team that could sneakily have the defense creep past the offense. Now, I, I don't know if it's ever going to really happen because Sean Payton is so offensively uh, in tune and they have Drew Brees and, you know, for as bad as he looked down the stretch, that offensive line is stacked. They got Alvin Kamara. They got Michael Thomas back under contract. Traquan Smith flashed at times last year. Ted Ginn is, uh, you know, loves to run fast and drop balls and, uh, and can run 40s. They added Jared Cook. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine the offense just falling off a cliff. But if Sheldon Rankins can get back, and you got Cameron Jordan, who is a great sleeper pick. If you want to splash a, a unit on a defensive player of the year candidate, I think he's like 35 to one. That's way too low. He's been, he's, he could be a Saints are great. Defense is incredible. Uh, Cameron Jordan finally getting his due, maturing. Marcus Davenport, the 2018 first round pick is a guy that could, you know, explode for a big season. They had a Mario Edwards Jr. who's sort of been busting around since getting to Florida State, but that's a nice rotational guy. Uh, Sylvester Williams, same, same sort of thing in terms of the rotation. DeMario Davis is a very nice pickup as an unrestricted free agent from the Jets. And then Eli Apple, they traded for last year, stepped up and did pretty well. Marcus Williams needs to rebound from the, the headspace that he was in after, uh, after, after, you know, blowing that, the Minnesota miracle. But Von Bell having a nice, uh, turnaround to his career sort of developing. PJ Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, one of the top cornerbacks in the league. And then, uh, Pete Prisker has been on this podcast talking about how he loves Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the fourth round rookie that they drafted this year. There is a ton of talent on this defense. Yeah, they're talking about Chauncey Gardner uh, Johnson as like a day two pick and even late round one. Um, so to get him when they did, that seems to be a huge, a huge get there. I'll point this out in 2017, 2016, the Saints defense was 31st according to DVOA. Last year they were eighth, sort of came out of nowhere. And then, uh, this year, 2018, excuse me, 2017, they were eighth. And then last season they were 11th. So they, they've sort of hanging around and I feel like they could make that jump to the next level. Um, you sort of hit on it, but, uh, Marcus Davenport needs to continue to develop to sort of get things going up front. And, and then I think they're stacked in the back and you have Drew Brees. So if Drew Brees is 75% Drew Brees, you're still in great shape in that division. For sure. Yeah. And the thing I'll say is that, uh, we saw Drew Brees in the offense kind of hit the wall in the second half of the season and the Saints defense really had to carry him. They went through a six week stretch towards the end where they gave up 17 or fewer points in six straight games, and it was a big reason why they were winning those games. I mean, Prince, you probably remember the Monday night classic Saints-Panthers in December where the Saints won 12-9. to Literally, who would have ever thought a Saints-Panthers game would end 12-9, to and that was their defense literally carrying them to a win. So that's something you never thought you'd see with Drew Brees on that team is – Usually that's a team where, hey, this is the offense that's going to carry them, and now we've seen the defense is able to do it. And like you just said, everything you mentioned, there's a good chance that unit's going to be even better in 2019. So it's hard to pick against them in the NFC South. All right, there you have it, our breakout defenses. Uh, anybody else that you guys would uh, throw onto the pile? We mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Um, just really quickly on them because it would be, uh, would be a slap in the face, not to mention them. Um, you know, look, again, I talked about the guys on the defensive line, Derek Barnett, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Vinny Curry, Tim Jernigan. That is a, Heat check on a defensive line. Uh, if Zach Brown can come in and be an impact player at linebacker position, um, they brought back, uh, Nigel Bradham, uh, to his old stomping grounds. Paul Warlew is there for depth and they got, you know, Ronald Darby has sort of been underrated, but has been injured. Sidney Jones is a set, former second round pick who's, who's hadn't gotten back from injury after they drafted him. Malcolm Jenkins listens to the Grateful Dead, which I'm, I'm all in on now. Um, they, they've got some players on this defense. I, I think it would be foolish to sleep on the idea that the, um, and of course they added Jonathan Cyprian. Let's not sleep on that guys. So, uh, I would be- just point out the uh, Buccaneers finished dead last in DVOA last year. Their first five draft picks were defensive players. Their sixth draft pick was a kicker. So, they're not concerned about Bruce Arians in the offense. They're trying to make that defense better. We'll see if they make a leap. They could be a team just to watch to maybe go from truly and, and sort of like sort of like Brady mentioned the Cardinals is like the worst offensive team up to like number fifteen. That was what you would hope for with the Bucks. I think. That's right. If they get to replacement level, that's a huge step up for the Buccaneers. Yeah, and Dolphins that, too. Make your case for the Dolphins. I'm just saying that their secondary wasn't that bad, and now they have Brian Flores, and if they can stop the run at all, we. And now, and now they have Brian Flores, who is not a player. He is not a player, but you kind of, you bring in someone who is creative and switches up what they do on the defense. They're going to run this 4-3-3-4 hybrid. You bring in players that fit your scheme, uh, and there's no way they can be worse against the run than they were last year. I think the Dolphins move from, what were they? They had to be bottom 25. They're going to move into the top 20. How does, so the Dolphins historically play well against the Patriots. Now that it's Brian Flores playing against Bill Belichick, what are the lot, chances? Right? What are the chances, Brinson? What are your odds that they win both games? The Dolphins do over the Patriots. Point one percent. It's Brian Flores and it's the Dolphins. I feel like they're not winning be... both. Belichick might throw him that single bone, and then he's going to crush him in week seven. Although, actually, no. Actually, you know what? So they get the Patriots early. I can see Belichick throwing him that bone early in the season to try and get him that for the first W in those first four games so he's not on like the early hot seat. And then the, maybe the Patriots clinch the number one seed or clinch the division by week 17. They're locked into their seed and they just, uh, and they just throw a bone to, uh, to, uh, to, to, or no, they don't throw a bone. It's just they just, Patriots don't start Brady and, you know. I'm going to say 30% chance the Dolphins win both games. That is way too effing high. All right. Well, this podcast is a Mr. Trubisky bet. Uh, this, <laughs> Um, and Brenton, just for the record, that second meeting between the Dolphins and Patriots is in week 14. Ooh. And not that it's out of the question they could have the division wrapped up by then, but that would be insanity. It's week 14? Yeah. Right. I thought it was week I'm 17. I want to put it down to 20, 22%. Yeah, you might, might want to go a little bit lower than that. No, I feel good. Uh, I, I, throw the, I mentioned the Panthers, too. Um I think that about covers uh, Green Bay's Green Bay's kind of sneaky. They were 29th in DVOA and Pete Briscoe. A lot of good defensive players. Pete Briscoe has been yapping about their defense and Mike Pettin nonstop, which means they're probably going to be terrible. Uh, San Francisco too. You know, they added, uh, Nick Bosa who's not going to play the rest of the preseason, but, uh, Falcons are healthy. Falcons, if they're healthy. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good call. So there's, um, a lot of teams who could make a jump, but I don't know that those teams would qualify. By the way, I, uh, Oh, never mind. I didn't pick the Vikings, but I do think the Vikings fourth in DVOA last year, and they were sort of underrated. So I'd like to. Let me ask this quickly, since we're just wasting time. I, I, I'm looking at the and, and just, no. and just, just for the record. Yeah. E- EKR boss was like, 
You went an hour long on a preseason? I was like, hey, buddy, I think the show's just an hour long now. It's like 45 minutes or an hour long every day. He's like, what do you, what are you, a masochist? I was like, I don't, like, I can't get on the phone with these guys and not talk for like 30 yeah. minutes. So to, to prolong the, the agony, I'm not picking the Raiders, even though they've drafted a bunch of defensive guys. What were your thoughts about Jonathan Abram from the first episode of Hard Knocks? Because I felt like he needs to quit talking and do more sort of focusing on being a, a football player. He's literally been an NFL player for two weeks. I'll let, I'll let Breach handle the majority of the hard knocks analysis, which we didn't talk about. I know Breach ate it up, but I will say this. Uh, everyone hated Jonathan Abram and thought it was annoying that he was yapping it up and, and like talking to everybody and like making a bunch of noise. I, I agreed with the most part, except for the fact that I thought his clowning of Derek Carr in the cafeteria with the salmon salmon thing like in like he's like man I, did, you, did you see he was like man if I knew he's like if I knew my dad made 125 million dollars I wouldn't be ever working again he's like what are you you'll be in the league another 12 years well you'll make another 125 million dollars he's like now what is this we ordering Salmon or salmon? And Derek Carr's like, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's salmon. You're gonna need to know that because you're gonna eat in lots of nice places now that you've got lots of money. He's like, it's salmon where I come from. And it's it just, I don't know, it just felt like he clowned Derek Carr and I loved it to death, Breach. Yeah. And also, I like pronouncing it salmon because you can instantly tell how other people judge you. If they make a face of disgust, like they're better than you, or they'll just correct you nicely. Just you go say to a, a nice lot of things wrong though, John. Go Thanks. to a nice restaurant and say salmon, and and see what the server, how the server reacts. That's that's your guys's homework for the next week. Uh, but I love Jonathan Abrams. I I don't mind a rookie talking out. Like you don't want him to go there and just sit in a corner and not talk at all. And and the Raiders are a franchise that almost like embraces that. We saw John Gruden give the second best speech about dreams since What's ever. Heart? Uh, you what? know, you know your U.S. history. Oh, and okay. I shouldn't have to tell you. Standing to be on football, but wait a second. What about Jeez, the sideline conversation where John Gruden is imploring John Abram to quit hitting people in walkthroughs, and Abram is like, doesn't say okay, yes sir. He says he explains his side of the conversation, which makes zero sense. Yeah, no, that's an issue. I, I'm talking about his talking off the field, drawing with Derek Carr, all yeah. that. I love that. Now destroying your teammates in practice and possibly injuring people, that's definitely an issue. And the fact that it didn't, like, dawn on him, it didn't seem that he grasped what Gruden was trying to say. Like, hey, man, don't hit these guys. These guys are your teammates. We do not want them hurt. And he was just like, I only go 100% practice. I only hit people. So it, that was a little weird, uh, but I like the way – I like his character. I like his off-the-field character. When they were having that conversation on the field, my first thought was, how does this conversation go down if Bill Belichick's the coach and Jonathan Abram back talks him like that? I mean, you're not well, going to cut a first-round pick, but I would imagine it would be a very difficult remaining training camp for him. We know how it goes if Bill O'Brien's the coach because Lonnie Johnson was basically doing the same thing in the Texans-Packers joint practice. All of a sudden, the next day, oh, Lonnie Johnson's not practicing because he doesn't understand that you're not supposed to just destroy these guys on the field. All right, it's we're like done. if uh, Wilson started cussing on every podcast, you told him to stop, and he didn't understand. Like if you called in my hotel room at 2 in the morning, and I answered the phone and was cursing at you like that. Exactly. All right, let's get out of here. This is somehow we did this 45 minutes, and we, uh, and that's not even counting the preseason uh, breakdown that we had before the break. It's always fun to talk with you guys. We will uh, ooh, we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll bring a mailbag into the mix at some point in time, too. Oh, I'll be in Chicago if anyone wants to come meet me. <laughs> Do it! If you listen to this podcast and you live in Chicago, go get a spritzer with Ryan Wilson.
That's right. Uh, is that what it's called? Those uh, Zimas now that the kids are drinking? White Claw. What, White are, you, Claw, what yeah. are you watching on your TV, by the way? I see your TV on in the background. It's uh, it was. Um, are those people naked? Le- it was Levitard, his radio show. <laughs> I have it muted, so it's sort of pointless. Right. And Levitard is completely naked. It's train engineer porn. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jesus. That's, and on that it's, note, make yeah. sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Pixix Podcast. Always a pleasure, guys.